It's good to see everyone out this evening. I have the pleasure of filling in for Ian on this Wednesday evening. He was traveling and he called me and asked if I would uh, consider speaking for him. And so here I am. But if you remember, jumping right into the lesson from last week in Acts chapter 3, you had Peter and John who are entering into the temple. And as they're entering into the temple, they look and they see this man who is lame who had been laid at the gate of the temple. And they look at him and he looks back at them. And he, thinking that he's going to receive something uh, monetarily from Peter and John. Ah, there we go. Ah. Peter and John look at him and they say, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise and walk. And you know the man who had been in this state all of his life, as far as I know, is now in his older age. I say that he's probably around my age at this time. We're going to find out. <laughs> Hold on a second. <laughs> well, uh, so here he is, and he's in this advanced age. <laughs> all right, all right, enough of that. But he arises and walks. And it is something that all the people take notice of and as they're noticing and saying hey this is that man that was laid at the gate they look at Peter and John as if Peter and John had this power to raise people up and Peter and John looking at them and seeing them staring at them says to him why are you looking at us as if it was through our power that this man was healed and they began to preach unto them Jesus, and that through his power this man was raised up. And as they preach concerning Jesus to the people, Jesus, uh, Peter also mentions that of, of Moses. And he quotes Moses there in Acts 3.22. He says, For truly Moses said to his fathers, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like for me, uh, like me from your brethren. Him shall you hear in all things, and whatsoever he say to you, it shall be that every soul who will not hear that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. Now I think this is very important concerning who he is talking to here. Or should I say who else is in the crowd here? Because here in Acts chapter 3, they've gone into the temple. They've raised this man up, and they said it's through Jesus and that power of Christ that this man is raised up. And they began to preach the resurrection of the dead to these people, and they began to talk about Moses telling of a prophet that's going to come. And this is important because you have the chief captain of the temple, you have the priests, you have uh, the Sadducees who are there. The Sadducees, of course, they rejected the idea that there's a resurrection from the dead. And not just that, but they also were very skeptical of any other books of the Old Testament except for Genesis through Deuteronomy. 
They believed in what Moses said. They followed after the books of Moses. And so here he is now using that crowd and using Moses, telling of that prophet that was going to come. And the problem that these religious leaders had now is that they can't deny what they've seen. They, like the crowd that has gathered, sees this man who was laid at the gate is now up and walking. And they can't deny it. And they also can't deny that they're attributing this great miracle being done through the power of Jesus of Nazareth. And so now in Acts chapter 4, verse number 1, it says, As they spoke to the people, the priest, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed that they preached in the name uh, or preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. So what crime did they commit? The only crime that they committed was preaching in the name of Jesus. It greatly disturbed these religious leaders, you see, because they thought that whenever they took Jesus and they crucified him, that this was going to end this following of Jesus. But now what can they do? Because they see that this man is raised up. Peter and John are now saying it was through Jesus that this miracle was done. What were they going to do? Except lay hands on them to quiet them, to put them in custody and, and kind of quiet this reaction that was taking place. But the Bible says, however, many of those who heard the word believed and the number of the men came to be about 5,000, which is 2,000 more than what happened on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. There you had 3,000 souls who had heard the gospel message proclaimed for the first time, who believed it, received it, were baptized, and here you have now 5,000 who have heard this preaching of Jesus and this resurrection from the dead. This was something that wasn't ever taught prior in the history of, of Jerusalem or Israel or anything really in this world. The idea of a resurrected Savior and the hope of heaven when this life is over through him, the forgiveness of sins. These things that the apostles were going about teaching. It says it came to pass on the next day that the rulers of the elders and scribes as well as Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander... And as many as were of the family of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem, and when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? The problem the religious leaders have is that they saw this miracle, and they can't deny what has happened. And now they want to know by what power. Peter and John had already clarified that in Acts chapter 3. Whenever all the people were looking at them as if they had the power to do it, and Peter and John said, why are you looking at us? It's not by our own power that we've done this, but by the Jesus of Nazareth. That's whose power. And now they're inquiring of them. Whose power? 
They already knew the answer because they heard Peter and John preaching in the name of Jesus, which is why they took him up in the first place. <clears throat> then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you've crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Peter lets them know exactly who it is, whose power it was that made this man whole. He stood there boldly before these religious leaders and proclaimed unto them Jesus. And through his power, this man was whole. And he says, this is that same man whom you crucified, whom you rejected. He's now been made the chief cornerstone of this. And I think there's a lesson that we can take just from that. And that lesson is that you can never be made whole apart from Jesus. Apart from Jesus, you will always be in a state of wanting. You can never find that fulfillment, that healing, that forgiveness anywhere else but through Jesus. It's only Him who can make you whole. You know, Jesus, whenever that triumphant entry into Jerusalem happened, He also had this same thing happen. And he spoke this parable to the relig religious leaders there in Matthew 21, verse 33, where he says, Hear another parable. There was a certain landowner who planted a vineyard and set <coughs> a hedge around it and dug a wine press in it and built a tower. And he leased it to vine dressers and went into a far country. Now when vintage time drew near, he sent his servants to the vine dressers that they might receive its fruit. And the vine dressers took his servants, beat one, killed one, and stoned another. Again he sent other servants, more than the first, and they, said, and they did likewise to them. Then last of all, he sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. But when the vine dressers saw the son, they said among themselves, This is the heir, come, let us kill him and seize his inheritance. So they took him and cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those vine dressers? They said to him, He will destroy those wicked men miserably and lease his vineyard to other vine dressers who will render to him the fruits in their season. Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scriptures the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing, and it was marvelous in our eyes. Therefore I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to a nation bearing fruits of it. And whosoever falls on the stone will be broken but on whomever it falls it will grind him to powder now when the chief priest and pharisees heard his parable they perceived that he was speaking of them but they sought to lay but when they sought to lay hands on him they feared the multitudes because they took him 
for a prophet. Now, doesn't that sound like exactly what's transpiring here in Acts chapter 4? Here, Jesus telling this parable of the tenants or of the landowner, and he tells it in such a way to these religious leaders that whenever they hear this, they perceive, hey, he's talking about us. Because which one of the prophets, the servants that were sent down to these vine dressers, they took the servants then and killed them. And as he sent more, they killed those. And then he sent his son. And they said, there's the son, let's kill him. You know, later on in our study of Acts, we're going to, to Stephen in Acts 7. And he's going to tell them the same thing. Which one of the prophets have, you, have your fathers not stoned or killed? <clears throat> they had rejected the Son of God. And that's what Peter said to these people. The stone which the builders rejected has now been made the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name given under heaven whereby we must be saved. You know, several years ago, I had a, about a three-month-long study with these uh, Mormon elders. And toward the latter end of our studies, I said, well, just tell me, how is it that you're saved? What do I need to do in order to be saved? And they said, well, it's simple. All you have to do is proclaim the name of Joseph Smith before you're baptized. I said, well, how does that go? They said, we ask you, do you believe that Joseph Smith is a prophet of God? And then you're baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit for the remission of your sin. And I said, well, there's the problem. I said, you want me to call upon the name of Joseph Smith? And they said, listen, we don't care if you ever say the name Joseph Smith ever again so long as you call upon him before you're baptized. And I said, would you turn over to Acts chapter 4 with me and let's look at that. And we turned over to Acts chapter 4 and we read, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven whereby we must be saved, and that is Christ Jesus. And you could tell just for a second there, the wheels began to turn in this young elder's head. And he said, huh. I said, I can't call upon Joseph Smith. He can't redeem me from my sin. There's only one that can do that. But you see, with that same boldness that Peter stood there with, and before these religious people proclaimed that same name before them, after they thought they had got rid of him, there's no other name under heaven whereby we must be saved. Now, when they heard or when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. And they realized that they had been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. There they are. They're stumped. What can they do? Because they can't deny what's happened. They can't deny that it's through Jesus and his power that this had happened. But they can't have Peter and John going around telling everybody that Jesus is the reason that this man is able to walk. They can't go around and let them preach Jesus has been resurrected from the dead. So what are we going to do? They're silenced here. And they send Peter and John out. 
and they confer amongst themselves. It says, when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do with these men? For indeed, that a notable miracle had been done through them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it, but so that it spreads no further among the people. Let us severely threaten them that from now on they speak to no man in this name. <clears throat> The only thing left for them to do is to say, hey, listen, you can no longer speak in the name of Jesus. That was all that was left for them to do. Well, I suppose the persecution against the church will increase as, as we look. But here, they didn't know what to do. Acts four eighteen, he says, So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus but Peter and John answered and said to them whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God you judge for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard imagine if you will being in the place of John or Peter here being brought before this council of religious leaders and them telling you you can no longer speak or teach in the name of Jesus. What would you do in this situation? They were changed individuals. The things that they had seen while Jesus was walking, as he fed the multitudes, as he healed the sick, as he raised the dead, as he was crucified and then raised back up, they were forever changed. And of the things that they had seen with their own eyes, and the words that they had heard Jesus speak and teach them what they were going to do. They couldn't deny it. They themselves, the apostles, couldn't deny it. They were forever changed because they were touched by Jesus. And likewise, also, when we've been truly touched by Jesus and healed by Jesus, knowing exactly what Jesus has done for us in our own lives, we should with that same great boldness go forth and speak and teach the things that we have seen and heard. Because Jesus has changed us too, or at least he should have, right? He's made us whole, has he not? And should we not therefore with the same boldness that the other apostles went forth and taught, should we not also stand on that? So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done. They went on their way, they glorified God, even being severely threatened they continued proclaiming the name of Jesus. It says, For this man was over 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. And being let go, they went <clears throat> to their own comp uh, companions and reported all that the chief priest and elders had said to them. <clears throat> they went forth from there praising God. They glorify God for what was done, not just for what, had transpired in the miracle of this man being healed and made whole, but for the tribulation that they had faced there in the temple. Verse 24, it says, so when, they had <clears throat> so when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them 
who by the mouth of your servant David had said, Why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you've anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to do uh, or to be done. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. You see, immediately upon their release, they went forth praising God for what they'd done, what they had gone through. They gave God the glory for the boldness for which they spoke and for the words that they spoke and for the signs and the wonders and the miracles that were done through the name of Jesus. We should be as quick to give God the glory for the trials and tribulations that we endure in our lives and we should be ready to stand in the boldness that Peter and John stood in knowing that it is God who delivers us in those moments. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own. But they had all things in common. And with great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked. For all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them. And brought the proceeds of the things that were sold. And laid them at the apostles feet. And they distributed to each as everyone had need. And Joseph, who was also named Barnabas <clears throat> by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. With great boldness, the apostles had proclaimed righteously that through Jesus and through the power of the resurrection and through the power that God had given them that these things were done. That there's a resurrection from the dead. This is something that they had never heard before. And 5,000 people had heard this message proclaimed. And they believed it. And they all began following it. And every one of them that had possessions of land took and sold their land or their houses, and they came and they laid what they had at the apostles' feet just for this message to continue to go forth because it changed their lives forever. And that same gospel message that was preached that changed so many lives has the power to change your life too, has the power to make you whole. So if there's someone here tonight who has never called upon the Lord Jesus in baptism, have had his 
blood wash away your sins, you have an opportunity tonight to do that. Or if you're here tonight and you've fallen away, you've lost sign or sight of that hope that's only found within Christ, you have that opportunity to come tonight for the prayers of the church to be uplifted and we stand here ready to help you in any way that we can. We would ask you to come while we stand and sing the song selected.